Blog Talk Radio. Hey, folks, hope everybody's having a phenomenal day. You know, we are getting ready for Catalyst, and it is a blast. Uh, as things come together, the volunteers are lining up. Uh, you just can't go wrong with that. And during that whole process, you get to meet some interesting, great people. And that's what I love about what we do. It's not just um, it's not just about me. It's just not about you. It's about, hey, what's everybody else doing? How can How can we change their lives? What can we do? To help them out, you know. I mean, that's that's how I see this. This is what I look at when I'm out there. And and today, just like just like the last few days, we've been talking about success. We've been going through John Maxwell's book, and it and it's it's something that I get excited about every time I read one of John's books. To be quite honest, because you just never know. You never have an idea what will come out of one of his books, how it will impact you. And this is it's like the third time that I've read this book. And each time I gain, oh, I guess you could say, more wisdom from it. You know, and it's like, this is pretty radical. It's not every day that you read something and you're you're able to you're able to get something the second or the third time. Heck, man, some of us read it the first time and can't get anything out of it. We say, why am I reading this? And I can honestly say, in this case, this book is life-changing. If people want to change their life, I think that at the end of the day, that really is the key. Sadly, a lot of people don't want to change their lives, so they sit around doing the same thing over and over. And then there are some... And I've learned this this week. There's some that are just dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. Their whole focus is to keep others in chaos. And they will do everything they can to do that. And it's like, man, I, I I tell you, I'm just looking forward to Catalyst. So we're in Chapter 4. How do I get started? The first step towards success is leading yourself exceptionally well. John's first paragraph, listen to this. Have you ever worked with people who didn't lead themselves very well? We often think that self-leadership is about making good decisions every day when the reality is that we need to make a few critical decisions in major areas of our life and then manage those decisions on a daily basis. Now, I'm going to I'm going to drop out of the the chapter for a second. I'm going to pull up something that I carry with me. I got this from John in in one of his bigger books because I thought it was so important. And what he's talking about is making those major decisions and then managing them. My my five major life decisions daily that I work on fail at all the time. That's why I just keep working at it. Number one, my relationships. How How have I deepened my relationship with God? How have I deepened my relationship with Paige and with my kids? My character. Have I have I developed my character today? And if so, how? My attitude. Have I chosen the right attitude in spite of what's happened to me today? And if so, how? My values. Have I lived out my values before others? And if so, how? And my fifth, my growth. Have I done things that would increase my potential today? And if so, what? See, I learned that. And it's helped. 
I, I do. Most of the time, I'm able to at least get back into focus in areas. But we can all look at it and say, man, it's just flat tough sometimes, and it is. But have you ever sat down and figured out three to five life-changing major decisions and then focused on managing them daily, or you're running through life not quite sure what's happening? See, making a decision isn't the hard part, but managing the decision is. And successful people know they have to manage their decisions. See, I don't know why it is, but we all do this. I was on a blog yesterday, and I'm I'm watching some very vocal people, and, and to a certain degree I was egging them on. But as I sat there and I watched, the actual people the blog was created for weren't making much noise. It was just a few that were stirring up the fire like always. And I thought, man, this is truly sad. It's sad when you see how people are. And then they wonder why they're not successful. And the truth is they probably are successful, they just don't realize it. So what must successful people do? What is it we must self-manage? John writes this, If you want to be successful and gain credibility with your boss or others, then focus on taking care of business in seven areas. Number one, manage your emotions. It's important that every day you focus on managing your emotions. The funny thing is most people... They don't, they don't just not manage their emotions. They allow other people to engage their emotions. See, it's very interesting as you study psychology. Now, I didn't study psychology till the Marine Corps. And in the Marine Corps, we learned psychology for a specific purpose, to confuse the enemy. So as you study neurolinguistic programming, as you study other forms of manipulation of the mind you start to see how many people in sales use that same thing. So what happens is we go through life being manipulated instead of sitting down and saying, wait a second, I am in control of my emotions. I'm going to manage my emotions. I'm not going to let others dictate my emotions. Leaders and other successful people know when to display the motions and when to delay them. Do you? There's many times, especially raising teenage boys, that my emotions have never shown. I, as a matter of fact, I'll take it even deeper. Very seldom do I show my deep emotions to my family, period, my wife or my kids. And it's because I am the leader. And I want to make sure that, that they know they have a rock to stand on. Sadly, that doesn't work. And over the years, I've learned that it's, it is still better to be transparent. But there's a time to do that. If Paige and I are going through difficulties, we do our best never to let the kids know that. We work them out. The funny thing about this is that in today's culture, Generation Y especially, they go on Facebook and let their emotions show. She's this. He's that. Look at this. Look at that. And sadly, they will not be able to become leaders 
as they need to be. You must manage your emotions. John tells a story in here. It actually comes from American Soldier by Tommy Frank. And it was about his commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Attila. And here's what General Franks wrote. I studied Eric Attila's eyes. I knew that he was gripped with anguish, but he never let it show. We were at war. He was commanding troops in combat. And his quiet resolve in meeting this this catastrophe gave us all strength. In an hour he would grieve, but now he stood rock solid. In war it is necessary that commanders be able to delay their emotions until they can afford them. You guys have heard me talk in the past if you followed me any given time. How emotionally challenging, for lack of a better word it is, to look down the barrel of a gun. I remember a few times as a bounty hunter when that happened. I also remember walking into dark rooms where you weren't quite sure who might be there or who may not be there. That in and of itself is devastating, emotionally. Nothing is emotionally challenging, though, is having the one that you love or respect or the one that you want love and respect from to belittle you with words. Your emotions will fly. As a matter of fact, there's this old myth. They call it a, a rhyme, but it's an old myth. It says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a bold-faced lie. I can take a beating all freaking day long. But you let someone close to me or someone close to you say something degrading, and it rips your freaking heart out. And your emotions get all out of whack. And you're screwed up for the rest of the day. You have to learn. If you're going to lead, don't manipulate people. But learn to control your emotions. Number two, manage your time. Huge. All I hear in life is, well, this is how I spent my time. This is how I spent my time. I'm going to go spend. Why are you spending time? If you're managing your time, then your time should be invested wisely. It's the only asset God gave us that we cannot replenish. I don't spend time with my family. I invest time with my family. You need to learn to do that. Do not invest time with those that are more mixed up than you are on a regular basis. It will do nothing but cause you frustration and harm. What you need to do is invest your time with those people who you have an opportunity to influence and change their lives or has a possibility of influencing you and changing your life. You need to look daily at what's going on. Matter of fact, psychiatrist M. Scott Peck said it this way. Until you value yourself, you won't value your time. Until you value your time, you will not do anything with it. So many times I see people's lives change. They've gone after the lifestyle or or, or for whatever thing. I mean, health reasons. It could be anything. But their life changes and they stop managing their time. My dad was a... 
somebody that it always amazed me what he could get done in a day. Now he'd get up many many years growing up. He'd be he'd, he'd work nights, so he didn't get home until sometimes I was already in school and then he was off to work before I'd get back home. But as I grew up, as as we grew in 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 our own financial success, my dad and mom were were in my book very financially successful. Built their dream home. We were upper middle class. Dad was just a truck driver all his life, but but together they were able to do some pretty great things. Always took vacations, always had fun together. But, man, he would get up. It was funny. He would get up a lot of times before he had to go to work. He'd be reading his Bible or he'd be working in jewelry or, or doing some woodworking or something. And he did that forever. The one time that really comes to mind with my mom and dad and how they managed their time was when Devin and I were small, and, and it was probably, of all the Christmas presents that I've ever received from my mom and dad as a child. Now, as an adult, I've gotten some pretty wild things. But as a child, one Christmas, and part of it was we were just short on some funds because it was early when they were married. It was in the 1960s, 70s. But they took time to create the town of Dooleyville. It was made out of wood. Not only did they did they... Did they make it out of wood? This is the fun part. Every building was painted. Every post office, I mean, the buildings were all marked, the bank, the hospital, the post office. The houses, Devin's house and my house, we had mailboxes with our names on them. It was all nailed together on a piece of plywood. All the buildings were different sizes. Wood burned, wood burning had been put in them to, to show the windows. The love that went into that, and the genera- it wasn't just Devin and I, our kids played with it. That's the amazing thing to me. See, that's managing your time. Number three, manage your priorities. Most people in life are generalists. They know a lot about little things. However, most successful individuals are highly focused in specific areas. See, that's, that's, I think sometimes, whether, whether you're in direct sales, whether you're a home-based entrepreneur doing things on your own, um, like my, my daughter, my 17-year-old Tess is a home-based entrepreneur. She does Photoshop editing for photographers. She's very focused. She knows Photoshop inside and out. At 17, they have hired her to take care of pictures that they do at the beach. Make sure that there's no big beer cans in the sand after we take the picture. There's a boat in the background or anything like that. Just clean it up for us. She makes phenomenal money for a 17-year-old working from home, finishing up school. See, she's very focused. She doesn't know all of the different editing programs, but she knows Photoshop. I see a lot of times in social media, people become generalists. They, They go out there and call themselves a guru, and they put a lot of stuff up there, and instead of focusing in one specific area and becoming good at it, I actually see this a lot in direct sales. A lot of different people. This has become a, a a mantra, really, ever since the invent of the Internet. But people say, get into multiple streams of income. And I always scratch my head at that. Because I don't think you can do that. At least you, you can't do that and duplicate it with a boatload of people. You need to find something that you've got a passion for and make that your your career. And if you find a company in direct sales that... Markets a product or a service that you're passionate about, great. If you don't, go find one. 
but you have to be able to focus. Listen to what John writes here. 80% of the time, work where you are the strongest. 15% of the time, work where you are learning. And 5% of the time, work in other necessity areas. It's that plain and simple. My number one priority right now is not my business. It's not my career. It's my it's my relationship with my wife. Now, I don't know how many of you have been married 24 years. But after 24 years, most people would say, man, you must know it all. I don't know diddly squat. So I'm really studying on this thing right now because I want to be able to last another 24 years. So I'm, I know I've got to grow. I've got to learn. I've got to... She's not the baby girl that I married at, at, at 22. She's not the little girl that I fell in lust with at 16. She's now a very successful author. So I have to learn what's it mean to be married to a successful author, super mom, grandma, you know, all that good stuff. You have to become very focused, whether it's your career or your relationship. Secret. Jim Collins writes this, and I love this. Jim's going to be a catalyst with me next week, and I always love listening to what he has to say, sitting around in the green room as he talks. He says, most of us lead busy but undisciplined lives. We have ever-expanding to-do lists trying to build momentum by doing, 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 and doing more. And it rarely works. Those who build the good-to-great companies, however, make as much use of stop-doing lists as to-do list. They display a remarkable amount of discipline and unplug all sorts of extra junk. That's exactly what we have to do. Get rid of the junk. John writes this, just because you like doing something doesn't mean it should stay on your to-do list. If it is a strength, do it. If it helps you grow, do it. If your leaders say you must handle it personally, do it. Anything else is a candidate for your stop-doing list. My dad always taught me, get a three-by-five card out, write three to five things on it that you need to get done that day, and do them. Don't add anything else. If you don't get something done, put it at the top of the list for the next day. It's worked for me. Number four, manage your energy. Look, man, don't run around with dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. Every now and then, I'll jump into This is what I did yesterday. I jumped into a blog. And I tell you what, it can be draining because you're not going to change other people's minds. So don't try. And unless you've got a strategy that you're using that's going to benefit somebody, don't. Hanging out with people that are totally diabolically different than you are doesn't work. All it's going to do is suck your energy dry. Get rid of it. Stop it. I suggest go buy in John's book, Thinking for a Change. It did great things for me. In that book, we learn one thing, man. Keep the main thing the main thing. And every day, you look at your calendar and say, what's the main thing? And you drive it home, and you drive it home. John put it in, I mean, he's always writing this stuff down. I, I don't know. It's going to be funny when he passes on. There's going to be so much unwritten stuff that nobody's seen that it's going to be published that Margaret and the kids are, are going to be set for life. But he's got the ABC energy drain. He says, activity without direction doing things that don't matter. The B, burden without actions, not being able to do things that really matter. Conflict without resolution, not being able to deal with what matters. That's where I was at yesterday. I, I 
you know, after being told by several critics of direct sales that, you know what, you're you're not going to be able to help these people over here. I had to come to the conclusion yesterday that I won't be able to help a certain group of people that really deserve and need help. But until they want to help themselves by going and, and getting legal counsel and trying to put closure one way or another to a certain situation, there's just not going to be any way to, to help them. And that's sad for me because I want to be able to help everybody. And most of the time it just you can't. Number five, manage your thinking. This is big. You need to learn to manage your thinking. If you will learn to manage your thinking, the rest can pretty much start to come into play. Okay, it, it's not it's not hard to get done, but you have to focus on that. Novelist James Joyce said, "Your mind will give back to you exactly what you put into it." The Bible says, "If you've already thought it, you've done it." Now wait a minute, Troy. That sounds New Ageish. That sounds like one of those those uh, law of attraction people. Amazing, isn't it? Napoleon Hill wrote it. Write it on paper. Think about it day and night. Think about it as if it's already happened. I wonder why that is. So many things get taken out of the Bible. Now, in the Bible, Christians like to utilize this in a negative way. Because Jesus said, if you think about murder in your heart, then it's already been done. If you think about lust, then you've already screwed the gal. And the point that he was making is based on scientific evidence that the mind cannot separate fantasy from reality. If you feed it with garbage, garbage comes out. If you feed it with good thoughts, then actions with good, good results come out. So what we have to be able to do is manage our thinking. We need to be putting positive stuff in it. That's why every morning I'm at the beach, I'm at Harbor Docks, I'm somewhere with me time, studying. Before I go to bed at night, I stay. Last night I couldn't sleep. I went to bed at 9 o'clock. I was back up by 9.30. I was up until after midnight working on my relationship, going through books. I'm, I'm actually, when I leave for Catalyst, I'm leaving Paige in a notebook so that she can go through and review what I've what I've come to, my conclusions and, and where I need her guidance as my wife. Those are the types of things that you must do. You have to manage your time. John, in Thinking for a Change, he has what he calls the, the thinking chair. As he's jotted things down that he wants to focus on, then he ends up he ends up at that chair. All he does in that, that chair is he thinks and he strategizes and he writes it down. I suggest you guys do something like that. I know Andy Stanley has a rock. He he just up there in Atlanta, he's got a place where he goes and he, he's got he sets on this rock and that's where he does a lot of his studying. His dad, Charles Stanley, actually has a trailer in his backyard and that's where he would go do his stuff. Everybody has something. My dad had a little den downstairs and his workshop out in the garage. My mom usually had her sewing room. She had a place where she would just go hang out. You have to develop this strategy. I go back by the pool. Do a lot of my thinking. Find a place that's yours. 
Number six. This is big. Manage your words. Yesterday I had a a critic. Man, he called me a lot of things. Or she. I mean, it's it's hard to tell the way she the way this person talked. They hide behind a pseudonym. Uh, you would think it, it it was a it's either a beta male or or a very very uh, distraught female. I mean, just awful. So we're calling me all kinds of stuff. Tokyo Rose, puppet master, whore. You know, I found it humorous. I also found it very sad. Because this person, to my knowledge, has never met me. And yet we're using such vile, degrading language that had people on the Internet seen, if my family had seen that, it would cause my daughters especially, my boys could care less, but it could cause my daughters and my wife some some very emotional moments. When I when I specifically approached and said, what's the purpose in this? Once again, wanted to flip it back to me. Oh, there you go, using your scepterfuge, your red herrings, your 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 martyrism, your your poor me. It's like I just ask a simple question. It's funny. So many times we do this. We don't manage our words. We don't think about it. It's kind of like at the beginning of this call today. When I said I invest time with my family, I don't spend time with my family. Small words make a big difference. See, I don't care if you believe the Bible from the spiritual aspect or not. I think it's a wonderful place to learn some great words and the meaning of what those words were. I'll use one example. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse says, Jesus came to the world to save the world, not condemn it. But yet, in a lot of Christian circles, all I ever hear about is sin and how people are going to hell, and how they're whoremongers, yada, yada, yada. And I sit there and I look at my Bible. Now, again, I said, you don't have to believe any of this, but I'm just giving you a perspective. I look at my Bible and it says, man, my, that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to to chastise these people. Matter of fact, if you read the Bible in its entirety, you actually see that Jesus never, ever condemned the sinners, but he would get pissed off and yell at the Christians all the time. See, it's funny how we go through life never managing our words. We will call people things that we would never want to be called. I asked a question yesterday. I said, let me ask you this. Is there any reason why the people on a certain blog, I said, could we not start living by the golden rule? Do unto others as we want done to the, done to them do unto others as we want done to us. And it was interesting because every one of them came back that responded, no, we want to do unto them as they've done to us. And I realized in that split second that as long as this community is being led by people that had that much hate inside of them, that there was nothing I could do. They are holding on to a a vengeful emotion that will send them to a grave faster than anything else. Science shows that. 
I have relatives that hung on to their hate and their anger for so long and it devastated them. I don't want that to happen. So I said goodbye and realized there was nothing I could do in that community. See, we all must be able to realize that. Otherwise, we're we're going to be screwed up. Nothing to change it. Number seven, manage your personal life. This is the big one. You have to manage your personal life. Man, you better take the closets off the I mean the walls off the door. You better crank it out. You better do it right because if you don't, you will not profit anything and you will die a very young age. John taught me a a, a meaning of success many years ago and, and there's different ones, but in this one he said success has been that the closest people to me love and respect me the most. I'm pretty good friends with his son in law. And I can tell you that that kid could talk about his father-in-law all the time because he walks his walk. Folks, come tomorrow because we're going to start part two, the core qualities of success. This is going to be great. How well do I work with people will be the chapter. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow for RealMentorsRadio.com.